uh, as you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21, we're probably, uh, it's probably going to be a very timely verse of scripture that I'm going to read to you this morning. But we want to thank you for being here. We want to thank our, uh, our virtual audience, the Facebook live stream audience and our audio audience on, uh, on, uh, Extreme Voice Radio for joining us this morning. So, if you ever get to the place you can't be in service, you can go to Facebook Live or you can go to Extreme Voice Radio online and you can listen to the services live as well. Always keep that in mind. Or if you download the Facebook app, you can listen to it later as well. So Luke chapter 21. I don't pick up reading at verse number 25. This is Jesus sharing... Uh, uh, when you study Matthew 24 and 25, and also when you when you study here in Luke chapter 21, uh, it's it's one of those circumstances which is totally common to Scripture, where there there is a uh, it's speaking of a present day circumstance in the day it was written, and it's also speaking prophetically. And I'll explain more of that just a little bit later. But Jesus said there will be signs in the sun moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror. Hello? People will faint from terror. That doesn't mean necessarily a war. Do you realize, do you realize since uh, in the last 14 months, do you realize that this uh, this world has been terrorized by a virus. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. Think about that. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin... When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now I want you to skip down to verse 36. You can read the rest of that on your own time. But skipping down to verse 36, Jesus goes on to say, He says, be always on the watch. Not on watch, but in this New International Interpretation. Be always on the watch. And pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I ask that you anoint me to bring this in in the manner that you gave it to me. And I ask that the people in this room watching and listening will receive it, Lord, as you would have it to be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this morning I want to preach to you a message that I've simply entitled, Look Up. I mentioned to you just a moment ago about the dual meaning oftentimes of Scripture. We find that very much in, in a very prominent in Matthew 24 and 25, but we also find it here in Luke's Gospel. When you go back and you read uh, Luke 21, and when you read verses 8 through 24, you will read there about the literal destruction of the temple and Jerusalem. 
Therefore, we, we find that Jesus is sharing a, 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 an event of the day that is to take place and it will take place. But there's also a prophetic prophetic word that is coming forth in the midst of all of this. You see, because in verses 25 through 36, we find there the prophetic revealing of the last days. In other words, when we read scripture, uh, it's a, uh, even in the Old Testament, there is a principle that is often called the principle of typology. Uh, it's metaphoric, if you would, where we see illustrations that are painted out in scripture, not only of things that are happening then, but it is prophetic of things that which are to come. And that's what we find in Luke chapter 21. Now, when we speak of the last days, I want you to understand with me this morning that the last days actually in the larger term begin at the day of Pentecost. You see, the day of Pentecost, which is coming up on us really, really quick, is the birth date of the New Testament church. Now, you may think, oh, I thought that was when Jesus was crucified. No, I thought that was when uh, he came out of the tomb, like we just, uh, recognized Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, a few weeks ago. And though those are important, those things mark the sealing of our salvation, and they, and they confirmed, if you would, the resurrection and the hope of eternal life and the reuniting of soul, mind, and body and spirit, the birth of the church did not come until the day of Pentecost because the church at that time was was not necessarily powerless, but the church had not been endued with a power that was sustaining power and ongoing power that we may be witnesses. The witnesses are, if you would, the illustration or the epitome of who Jesus Christ is until his second appearing that I'm going to preach to you about here in just a few more minutes. So we find that Pentecost was actually the day of Pentecost as we believe it or as we know it, the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the upper room was the birthday of the New Testament church. Now, in the large sense of things, again, we know that 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 the, the Bible teaches us and speaks of things that will uh, occur as the day of the Lord draws closer. But in the larger sense, the beginning of the end, so to speak, began on the day of Pentecost. Let me let me explain to you what I'm talking about there. When we go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, we find that there Paul teaches us and is instructing the church of Thessalonica about the coming day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, written to the church, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth, or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Let me tell you something. What Paul is warning against here, don't you believe that Jesus has come back already in his second appearing? He hasn't done so yet, okay? It's still coming. 
He said, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. And if you're reading the King James, it says, I think there, until there be first be a falling away. That day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back. Listen to this. Verse 6. And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Dave, I've got just a little bit of ring here in my mic, sir. If y'all could take me down some in the monitor. Let me share with you what is holding everything back right now. What is holding everything back right now is what occurred on the day of Pentecost when the church was born. What is holding everything back right now is is not necessarily our faith. It's not necessarily uh, church. It's not even necessarily the scripture. It, 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 but what is holding back the power of lawlessness in the world right now is the presence of the Holy Ghost in the world that Jesus gave to the church on the day of Pentecost when he said that on this day, tarry there, wait around, hold on, for when, when that day of Pentecost is fully come, you will be endued with power. Power that we may be witnesses to all men. But it's also keeping power. It's sustaining power. It's restraining power in that the powers of darkness are being restrained right around us. Even right now. I want to tell you, if if we could, in, in, in our spirit, or even a physical eye, if we could realize what would be going on right now, were it not for the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost that is abiding here, in the world and abiding in you and I as believers, as the church, if we could only comprehend or we could only see what would be going on right now in the world if the Holy Ghost wasn't among us, we would probably, we would be more than overcome with terror. We would be more than overcome with apprehensions. Listen, we've let, we've let a, a virus and as deadly as it has been and, and, and as, and as vicious as it's been in so many ways, Listen, the things that have happened in this past four months in no way compares with what's coming to the world whenever the Holy Ghost leaves. But here's the thing about it. When is the Holy Ghost going to leave? The Holy Ghost is going to leave this earth when the church leaves this earth. You see, He is the abiding presence with the church. 
when we leave. And that's, that's what Paul was taking, talking about where he said the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. You see, the Holy Ghost is here and working in the midst of the church. The Holy Ghost is the restraining power of Satan and the Holy Ghost is keeping us safe. Even in this very moment, the Holy Ghost is at work keeping the world and keeping the church safe. But what happens, even though the last days in reality, and the reason I say that the last days begin with Pentecost is because, listen, there is no biblically recorded Next event that's forthcoming until the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you saying the second appearing is, uh, preacher? Well, a lot of us call it the rapture of the church. We don't find that word rapture in scripture. It's taken from the word raptore, which means a catching away. But, but has, has evangelical and Pentecostal believers, uh, we believe that, that the Bible is explicit and it says in a moment of time, in a twinkling of an eye, in an hour that we think not, on a day that we're least suspecting that the trumpet of God will sound. I personally believe it's, I don't believe it's necessarily Gabriel blowing on some blast, on some brass trumpet, but I believe it's the trumpet voice of the Lord Jesus Christ that will sound out and say, come home my children, I am ready. And then we find that those who have been buried and are in the grave will give up the grave. The graves will burst open. They don't want to be ahead of us. And then we're going to catch up with them in the air. And we're going to go and be forever with the Lord. And when the church leaves in that moment, that twinkling of an eye, then the Holy Spirit is going to be going up with the church. And all of a sudden, the earth is at its most vulnerable and unprotected point. Because, you see, the, the, the earth in a sense has never known what it's like to be without the protective hand of the Lord watching over it. So, in the midst of everything that's going on, that began in the day of Pentecost. The next big event is to be the rapture of the church or the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, and I, I specifically call it the second appearing because when you study Scripture, you find that when the Lord comes out to call the church home, that is not the moment of time that the Lord comes back and sets one foot on land and one on sea. There's several other things that has to occur. That's a different message. So the second appearing of the Lord, the rapture of the church, and, and, and but as we get closer and closer to the rapture of the church, and we actually you know, were engaged in a little bit of this conversation yesterday, and I'm sitting there, I didn't say a whole lot because I'm just listening because I say, y'all sitting here, y'all discussing my message, and you don't even know it, know it this morning. But the reality of it is, 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 Things are coming into alignment for the second coming or the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have not seen the worst of it. Hopefully, we're not going to see the worst of it if we're born again. I'm still a pre-trib guy, okay? I'll be frank with you. I'm still pre-trib. I believe in pre-trib. I don't believe that Jesus is going to leave his bride here to get beat up and smacked around and persecuted. I believe he's coming after her. But when when the church is gone, then all hell on earth is going to break loose. But in the meantime, we are going to see some things that are going to come into alignment. 
So we must look up. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, when these things begin, he said, I want you to look up. Now, was, was he's talking here after the second, his second appearing after his snatching away of the church or, or is he talking in the days leading up to? I, I'm really not sure. I'll be frank with you. I'm not sure. But one thing about it, we know, we realize we're not foolish. We realize things are quickly changing around us. Now, they always have. They always have things and circumstance. Times have always changed. It's just part of time itself. But, but, but we are seeing some things occur like we've never, we, we're seeing things occur before our eyes that, that, that were, were unheard of, even unthought of, and some things that we, we thought would never happen. And what we find is we're at a time when we need to look upward. And as we look upward, there are three things that I want to, three semantics, if you would, that I want to share with you about looking upward. The first one is encouragement. If we're encouraged, if we're looking up, we're not going to be looking down. You know, looking down is sort of a... How many of y'all remember Winnie the Pooh? Y'all remember Winnie the Pooh? You know, who who one of my favorite... I, I liked them all, really. I, I liked all of the Pooh characters, you know. It was uh, our granddaughter, she uh, she loved Winnie the Pooh, you know. Uh, well, our grandson did too. And and, and that, old, that old donkey, Eeyore. You know, old Eeyore. I liked Eeyore. He, he was, I, I liked him. But Eeyore walked around, woe is me. Woe is me. You see, in the, in the, in the scope of encouragement, if we're walking around, if we're constantly walking around, to walk around with our head down is, is, is almost symbolic, if you would, in, 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 in its characterization, in, in, in its, in its, in its body language itself. Walking around with our head down means we're, we're, we're discouraged, we're depressed, we're, we're bent low, we're, but, but when, but when we got our head up, when our head's up and our shoulders are squared back, and especially if we're looking up, we are saying, I'm stepping beyond encouragement. I'm not going to be discouraged, but today I will be encouraged. You see, as circumstance, signs and happenings, and happenings around us coupled with apprehensions and terrors, they are enough to cause us to be discouraged. It's been enough over this past 14 months for a pastor to get discouraged. It's been enough for some business person to get discouraged. It's been enough for this, the average Joe, the everyday person, to be discouraged. But And all of the things that are going on in the world around us, it's enough sometimes for us to get discouraged and say, well, where is God at in the midst of all this? But I want you to know this morning, Jesus said, lift up your head, look upward, don't be discouraged, but be encouraged. You see, because proactive looking up, even before the answer comes... Even before everything begins to shape up and look better, keep looking up, start looking up. Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, He said, don't wait for it to get real bad. Don't wait for it to get horrible. Don't wait for it to to, to be the most terrible part of the trial. But when it begins to happen, go ahead, square your shoulders back and look up because it is time. It is time. And you need to be encouraged. 
So don't listen. Now, you know, uh, sometimes I've been known to be a procrastinator. Amen, Sister Taylor? Amen. Amen. Now, you know, I, I used to have my own automotive shop a number of years ago. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you ever heard this or not, but there's a little bit of truth in it. Usually, a good carpenter has the rattiest house on the block. And a good, a good shop owner, a good mechanic has the junkiest vehicles there is. With exception of, are you, uh, Madison's over here saying, Amen. Bless you, my brother. Bless you. Bless you. You know what? Uh, so, you know, back back when I had my shop, I didn't worry about too much. Something broke down. I had a, you know, I had a rollback, and I'd just go haul it home wherever it broke down at, or I'd call somebody to come get me. I had the key to roll back. You know, I didn't worry too much about it. I get in junky stuff and drive. I can't believe some of the trips I made in some of the junk that I drove. I still can't believe some of the trips we make in some of the junk we still drive. I am speaking. My cube's been blessed. 293,000 miles coming up this week. But here's the thing about it. I'm a procrastinator a little bit. Sometimes I take on an attitude, well, if it ain't broke, it don't need to be fixed. Yeah? It ain't all, you know, it's not all the way broke into yet, so I'm not going to worry about it. But here's the thing, that's not what Jesus is teaching us in these scriptures because Jesus said when when you see the time, when you see the beginnings, when you know it's the beginnings, and and, and again, I, I can't really spot where Jesus is at on the, on the time scale here, but we know something is about to happen. We know something is going on. We know in every passing day we're getting closer to the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because we know that and whatever stage of the beginnings, or however far we are in this process, He is telling us to look up, to be encouraged. And also, when He tells us to look up or to lift up your head, that's right, we used to sing that old song, lift up your head, redemption draweth nigh. We found ourselves worshiping. You see, because to lift up your head, it does mean or signify encouragement, but it also has a scriptural significance in the means of worship. Now, most of us, me on self included, most of us were taught to pray heads bowed and eye closed. And... That there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that we're in error praying that way. And I think sometimes we did that because it sort of put us in our prayer closet because then you're not distracted by elements around it. Bowing of the head shows reverence and, and this and that and the other, you know, so it's good. It's it's good to pray that way. Don't I'm not saying, Pastor, I'm not saying it's not good to pray. It's good to it's it's good to pray that way as long as you're not driving. Okay, I pray while I'm driving. Don't bow your heads and close your eyes while you're driving. Okay, because I don't care what what was her name, Carrie Underwood. Don't 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 be don't be hollering. Jesus, take the wheel. Okay, you 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 take the wheel. You be conscious. You pray with your eyes open and you drive with your eyes open. 
But here's the point about it is, lift, but when we lift up our head, we're raising our head up. That indicates that the lifted head indicates that you're raising your head in hope. But it indicates more uh, more of an attitude of worship. You see, lifting the head in worship signifies that we are worshiping with an expectancy. Yeah. If I if I walk if I, if I have a request of my little darling wife and I I go over and I say um, I need I need a new rear tire for the Harley. If I walk up to her and I say I need a new rear tire for the Harley. Yeah, I don't have an expectancy. I'm not going to her with an expectancy. But if I if I come up to her and I say, "Hey, baby, we we need a new rear tire for the Harley." <laughs> yeah, I went to her with an expectancy. I'm holding my head up, and I and I'm believing something is going to happen. Listen, when we worship the Lord with our heads lifted up, our hands lifted up, and we're calling out to Him, we're taking on a posture of expectancy. You know, I, you know, I'm not getting into village people or anything like that, or some of y'all watched Tim Hawkins' video, but, but this is a sign of surrender, but this is a sign of reception. And when we go before the Lord, and we go to Him with a worship of expectancy, with our heads lifted up, God is going to come in. He is going to recognize that. I believe He's going to meet that need. If you don't believe me, I want to show you a few examples of posture, how it came into play in Scripture. If you go into Genesis chapter 13 and Genesis chapter 22, you can read there about Abraham. And as Abraham lifted up his head, he lifted his eyes up toward the Lord. And then you go into the two of the books of the prophets, Daniel and Zechariah. And you find there in Daniel 10 and in Zechariah 2 and in chapters 19, you find that both of those prophets lifted their heads up. They looked up to the heavens. They looked up to the Lord. They had an expectancy. And then let's talk about in the New Testament. Let's talk about that 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 that, that deacon of the church. His name was Stephen. And they took him outside and put him in the middle of the road. And they began to throw stones at him. And as those stones were pulverizing his body and blood was beginning to flow and bruises and knots begin to swell up on him and he knew that his life was coming to an end. When you read that account in Acts, the Bible said that Stephen looked up towards the heaven. You know, he worshipped the Lord with an expectancy though he probably understood he was about to die. He had an expectancy that he would enter into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and he was blessed with the opportunity to get just a little bit of glimpse of that and share it with us. So worship with heads lifted up and expectancy of what the Lord is going to do. Thirdly, thirdly, we see that we're sentinels on task. In fact, what what the scripture I read to you there, uh, Jesus actually referred to, if you would, he referred, be always on the watch in verse 36. He's not talking about a wristwatch. He's talking about standing guard. 
But see, the sentinel, the watchman on the wall was, was, was much more than just sound, than, than standing guard. You see, the watchman on the wall, the sentinel is the one who sounds the alarm. A sleeping, the Lord spoke this into my spirit. I, I don't know that it's profound, but I thought it was worth writing down. I, I heard the Holy Spirit to say to me, a sleeping watchman is an enemy to the, to the friend and a friend to the enemy. A sleeping watchman is an enemy to the friend and a friend to the enemy. The sentinel doesn't stand watch for his own mercy or his own benefit. But what the watchman there, the sentinel is there to do is sound the alarm for the others. First Chronicles chapter 15, we find there when you read the story about David as he brings the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, we find there that he had four watchmen sit on the wall and he had seven trumpeters to watch the Ark of the Covenant and to announce its presence coming. They didn't walk up. You know, you know the story, this is where David danced and he said, I'm even going to get a little bit more undignified than this. But let me tell you something, they didn't stand outside the, the walls and knock on the door and wait for somebody to come, there was watchmen that were standing watch on the wall and they saw the Ark of the Covenant. That's the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you would, in metaphor. And they saw the presence of the Lord coming down the road and it was being carried on its staffs and somebody began to sound the trumpet and what that trumpet message was, was here comes the presence of God open the gates because it's about to come into its rightful place and into its city. And I want you to know right now where we're at in not only in America, but where the world is at right now is the Ark of the Covenant. The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is coming down the road and there needs to be some watchmen standing at the wall with their heads lifted up and ready to say sound the trumpet because we want the gates to be open and the presence of God enter into its rightful place because this world is not the devil's world. I don't care who you heard say that. They are wrong because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And He's coming back to gain the church. And then He's coming back again to take charge of this earth and a brand new earth and restore it to what He wanted it to be. So here's the thing about it. We are not in this thing alone. You and I. You listen to the news, uh, probably not a healthy thing spiritually anymore. Whether you listen to the news or even if you're listening to church reports, CBN and, and other, TBN and all these other different Bible networks and all like that. And, and they'll tell you, the church is in decline. The church is dying. The church is drifting away. The church is decreasing. The church is losing its place in the world market. Let me tell you something. There may be numbers that are not what the, they used to be, but, but I want you to know this. The church of Jesus Christ has never lost its power. It never will lose its power. It may, it, there, it may, it, it may fade in a number. I'm not saying that. We know that, that Jesus he talked here about there being, except there be a falling away first. There may be numbers that decrease. They may, there may be people that turn away from sound doctrine. But let me tell you something. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a church that is equipped and empowered by the Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost that I preached to you just a few minutes ago. 
that came and sat on all of those gathered in that upper chamber and sat on with cloven tongues as a fire and they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utters and then they begin to scatter out over that hillside in Jerusalem and Peter preaches just a simple message and thousands and thousands of people were saved there in the marketplace of Jerusalem that day. Let me tell you, that same church, that same Holy Ghost is still at work in the world today and the church cannot, will not, and is not defeated. And I'm choosing to be a part of that church. Therefore, I look up because I know my redemption does draweth nigh. So it's our, it's our job to sound the alarm. And here's the thing about it. None of us in this room can look up if we're looking down. It's impossible. You can't go north when you're going south. You can't go east when you're going west. You can't look up when you're looking down. I choose today... I choose today, I have to make, I have to make this choice every day to be frank with you. I, but I, today, I choose, I am not going to live, I am not going to live defeated in a world that seems to be crumbling around us. I choose today that I'm not going to live defeated in a world that's, that, that is becoming more chaotic. I choose today that I'm not going to, 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 to be defeated in a world that has become perverted, in a world that has become, uh, riotous, in a world that has become violent, a, a world that has become totally mixed up and they're calling uh, right wrong and they're calling wrong right. I'm not come, becoming discouraged in a world that, that no longer holds to truth but gives everything over to relativism. I Today, I choose to lift my head up and to look unto Jesus Christ, look unto the hills from where my salvation has come. I choose today to look up and I can't look down while I'm looking up. So I hold my head high, not that I am anything, not that I am arrived, nor do I have the answers, but I'm following the one that does. Paul said this to the church at Colossae. He wrote this, he said, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You see, I know my Jesus. My Jesus. My Savior. My Lord. My Redeemer. My King. I know that right now, because I have faith in the Word of God, I know right now that my Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Scripture specifically says that He's sitting there for, with a with a specific purpose, and that's to make intercession for you and I. So he's not rattled about the economy. Jesus is not rattled about wars and pandemics. Jesus is not rattled about perversion. Jesus is not rattled with dishonest gain. Some of these politicians don't even upset Jesus. 
But he says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. Hello. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We, if we get looking at earthly things, listen, in, in the reality, you know, in, in a sense of thinking anyway, if I don't look at the earth, I'm going to have to look down because the earth is beneath my feet. But when we begin to look up, we begin to look up like Stephen looked up and he had beheld his Lord. When we begin to look up when stones are crashing in against us, see his presence for Paul went on to write in this last sentence he said for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God now wait a minute why would Paul be writing to dead people he's not talking about physically dead what he's talking about is spiritually died out to the things of the world Died out to hope in the world. Died out to confidence in world systems. Died out to the assurance that something in the world is going to take care of you. That's what he's talking about. He said, you have died, but now your life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, there's not a one of us in this room that knows the Lord Jesus Christ have reason to walk around with our head held down. There's not a person watching Facebook Live or listening to EV Radio that has any reason, if you know Christ, to have your head hung down. I don't care. It's, it's, it's not about, it's not a matter of where you've been, what you've done, or anything like that. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You have no reason to hold your head down. But, but if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have surrendered to Him, you have every right to square your shoulders back and look up to heaven because it's not about your righteousness, but it is about His righteousness and His righteousness and the empowering work of the Holy Ghost. And because the Holy Ghost has empowered you, and the Holy Ghost has empowered me. We have authority over the things of the world. So look down will bring us weariness. A look down will 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 cause us to be discouraged. Looking down will cause us to, to trip and to fall. Looking down will rob us of our joy. It will rob us of our peace. It will rob us of our happiness. But when we begin to look up, With an expectant worship. Then. We will find. Some joy. Or the joy. The peace. The contentment. That's going to carry us through. You see. When we study. When we study the New Testament scripture, uh, the, the writings of the apostles anyway, when you find there, uh, I, I read there in a story about some old boys that got put in jail. Now, I've never been in jail. Some of you had. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Old preacher used to say, honest confession is good for the soul, but it sure can be bad for your reputation. So don't raise your hand. I've never been in jail. 
But I read a best story about some guys that were in jail. And while they were in jail, down in the dungeon, chained to a wall. And while they're chained to that wall, they could have been there sniveling and crying and had their heads down. And stuff. But there, I find that they begin to sing hymns and praises unto the Lord. And there were some people off of somewhere else praying for them. And I find out that the angel of the Lord come down and stuck his finger in the lock of that jail cell, opened it up, the chains fell off, and they walked out and walked down the streets. Let me tell you something. Understand this with me today. When we have our head lifted up, it doesn't mean that the circumstances are going to change. It means by lifting up our head, we are going to change our circumstances. You may still, you may still have that diagnosis when you leave here today. You may still be without a job. You may still have this going on or that going on in your life. Your family may be divided. It could go on and on. We can name all kinds of circumstances and situations. But understand this, lifting up your head does not change your circumstances, but it can change the spiritual circumstances that you're walking around in. Because listen, when you when we begin to lift our heads up, you know, we can walk through the trials of life. I don't step over this trial. I don't walk through this trial. I'm going to walk through this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. A valley does not have an enclosing on either end. Uh, if it were, it would be a box canyon. But David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, what you're doing, what I'm doing right now in this life, it's nothing more than a passage. And we can walk that passage with our head down or we could choose to have our head held high and our care and our dependency on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to choose to do.